Thanks for joining the Human Resources for Small Business podcast, where we discuss best practices in HR, hot topics, strategy, and employment law changes that have an impact on business. Follow us on our website at www.zeniumhr.com to get access to our articles, alerts, and to listen to other podcast episodes. And now, here's your host, Brandon Laws, with today's episode. Welcome, everybody. It is my pleasure to welcome Tim Winter to the podcast today. Tim is the Vice President of People at Metal Toe Media in Portland, Oregon, and we are very fortunate to have him for today's episode. So welcome, Tim. Thank you, Brandon. So, Tim, I wanted to kind of nail down first and, and simplify it for a lot of folks. Um, as I've been hearing the, the title Vice President of People, I want to know what, what does your role entail and how is it different from other vice presidents of people in, in other organizations? Yeah, great. Um, you know, it's interesting, the vice president of people, how it, how it came about here at Metal Toad. Um, in today's, uh, it's a very trendy title, um, in today's world, if you go through LinkedIn or you start to look at companies, a lot of companies have a chief people officer, vice president of people. And traditionally, it's um, what it looks like. It, it really is their head of HR. At Metal Toad, and in my role, it's a little different. The, the, the vice president, the title came out of a different uh, methodology. We, we, we structured our company with three verticals. We have growth. We have delivery and we have people. So we're going to grow our business. We're going to deliver great products uh, and services, and we're going to do it through our number one asset, which is people. And so as we built the company, we have a vice president of growth. We will have a vice president of delivery, and we have a vice president of people, which is how I got the title. At Metal Toad, yes, there's a huge HR component to it. We view people as our number one asset, and so we have a lot of dedicated resources to take care of that asset. And with our growth, uh, our explosive growth in the last couple of few years, retaining and bringing on great talent has become a big uh, focus for the for the position. But as well as our client relationship falls under it, operations falls under it, finance falls under it. So anything to do with people within our organization falls under that vertical and, and ultimately under me, which is, is a real honor and, and uh, is really exciting. You mentioned it. It's really fueled the growth for your company and, you, and your focus is on people. So what are you doing to differentiate yourself out there to, to recruit some of the best talent? You guys are developers. So how are you how are you finding the right people and what are you doing that's that's so different that, that attracts those those folks? And I imagine your role specifically uh, deals with that quite a bit. Yeah, you know, the first thing we did is we made the investment. We're probably six months ahead of the curve, maybe maybe a year ahead of the curve, where we made the investment into a full-time recruiter and talent acquisition manager is what we, we call it. And we brought on a pro and made that investment. And a lot of people shook their heads, but it was absolutely, I wanted somebody who wasn't recruiting part-time. I wanted somebody who woke up every morning thinking about, great people looking for great people and who is out there being an evangelist for for metal toad in the in the community on campus wherever and i look at recruiting as you know you're always having a pipeline of people you're always i wanted to be in a position where when we had a position open we had four or five candidates that we had already talked to that were already interested we just needed to hire them 
And I didn't want to do the reverse where, oh, let's, we got a position, let's post it and let's go look now. And so we have this, uh, it's completely reversed the, the, the way that most people do it. And we are always looking for quality people. We're building those relationships within the, the development com- uh, community. And then we back it up with a great culture and a great work environment. You know, we have a developer bill of rights. Its traditional model was to go out and, and, you know, burn people out in this business. And, and that's not what we do. We believe in a work-life balance. We have a very, very rich benefits plan. Um, we have trinet passes, annual passes. We have unlimited vacation. We have a 80-80 insurance uh, for dependents and uh, for employees, which is very rich in today's world. And, and then, with, besides all of those things, we have this just unbelievable culture of support, and, and we call it a culture of an abundance. We have an abundance uh, of, of help, of resources, of business, which really just is, for most people, is attractive. Uh, and it goes, to, it goes back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, people need to know that their needs are being taken care of. They need to know that they're valued and appreciated at work. They need to know they're going to have the tools uh, to do their job. And we work really, really hard to make sure that we fulfill all those promises. You talk about culture, and it sounds like you put a, a lot of development into it. It, I don't know if it was always this way for, for Metal Toad, but what have you done specifically in terms of creating that culture of development and, and really focusing on the people? Uh, what have you done to really enhance the culture to what it is today? I mean, a lot of people talk about recognition programs and team building exercises as if they're that's the culture, and you know, but that's not just culture. It's it's like what you believe in. So maybe talk about what you guys did from a leadership perspective to develop it. Yeah, I would love to take credit for it, um, <laughs> but I really can't. Uh, what I what I did uh, and all I did is um, I brought my experience uh, into the organization and I started to observe. And all I can really say that I did is I called it out and I recognized what a great culture it was. And maybe I gave the company a comparison to what, because you only know what you know. And they're working in this really great environment where people are helpful and they genuinely care about each other. And, and, and what I did was I came in and I called it out, but really from the very beginning, from when I was first interviewing with the company. It was so different of an experience. Uh, I mean, we've all heard the horror stories of recruiters never calling you back and this and that. And Metal Code was absolutely Everything they said they would do through the interview process, they did it. They never missed a deadline. They communicated openly. They were very honest with everything all the way through the process. And it was very short. I knew very early on that whether I had the job or I didn't have the job. And it was, and I, and I remember calling that out in the interview and, and, and thanking them for having such a, uh, a buttoned up process. And they all laughed and they said, well, we don't do it intentionally. We just think it's the right thing to do. And I think that's the basis of, of this culture is always acting in the highest sense of right, treating each other like ladies and gentlemen. And, and, and it really is just do the right thing. And it kind of goes back to when you're, you know, remember your please and thank yous. And as adults, we forget those really basic, simple things. And people just want to be treated with respect. And respect is one of our biggest values. And I think it just really is respect. So what I love to say, oh, I came in and changed everything. It was broken. It wasn't broken. It just wasn't fully realized. And I think when I started calling it out and started to recognize it, it began to resonate with people and they began to have that sense of pride. 
And I think with my experience, what I'm very cautious of and probably where I help steer the ship is I know how quick it can go away. As companies grow fast, and I've been part of a couple of fast-growing organizations, as companies grow, the culture can fall behind very, very quickly because as you grow, you begin to have chaos. And when you have chaos, then you begin to want to put processes and policies in place to control that. Where if you just take a step back from that, and that's, that's really where I see my role and my charge in the organization, is how do I help to, to make sure that the culture and that our values are alive and that we never stop to overlook. Uh, yesterday in our stand-up, it was a, we have a stand-up twice a week where all the whole company stands up and we talk and we do high fives and, and fist bumps and we recognize people and we thank people. And it ran long last week because we had a new toad start. And whenever we have a new toad start, we always welcome them. And we always have a question. And we go around the entire company and everybody answers the question. And it took a little longer because, you know, we're 40-plus people today. And uh, back when it was 5 and 16, it was easy to do. Now we have, now we have 40 people. And uh, one of the directors, went to, we went to coffee after the meeting. He goes, you know, I think we're going to have to maybe quit answering, asking the question. It's taking too long. And I said, well, 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 why don't we just make the, the stand-up 45 minutes instead of 30? Uh, why would we want to lose that? I, I don't. And so there again, it's, okay, let's get efficient. Let's, let's okay, well, we will stop doing that. But I, I'd rather find the time to do that because it's so important. And it's, it's a cherished event. Um, and it makes the new person feel very, very welcomed. But those things are easy to lose in, uh, when, when a company's growing because you, you want to become more efficient. And so, you know, they're going to, this, this company will go kicking and screaming because all companies do at our size. They want to become a big company. And really, we don't want to become a big company. We want to keep our culture, our values, and we want to have great growth. And we want to continue to grow, but we want to be able to keep, you know, basically our humility intact. That's why we call ourselves toads. The toad is a very humble creature. And we, we self-identify with that. It's great when we're on client calls because they'll jump on and go, okay, you know, Sony's here. Are the toads on? And we self-identify with that, and that's okay. Uh, in fact, we take great pride in that. And they don't ever want to lose those. The, those are little totems that are so important. And it's, I think, again, Brandon, it's just recognizing those and, and not letting them get in the way of, of process or improvement and always going back and cherishing those. You know, what's interesting to me is that when you focus on the people like you have done and you focus on developing the culture, that a couple different things can happen. Organically, I think that your your folks become more productive and you serve your clients better and you, you grow because people want to do business with you. And then also on the other side of it, people want to work for you. So maybe talk about how that's that's happened because it does sound like it's that's happened because you put people first. Oh, absolutely. It, you know, it goes back, a, a, you know, and this is nothing I invented. I mean, this is all stuff that there was a great training out there, um, gosh, a, a years ago. It was Southwest uh, Airlines, and they had this uh, training called It's So Simple. And at the time, the president and CEO, I believe, well, it was Herb Keller, but, you know, Herb always had a saying, it's much easier to run a company with love than fear. And uh, the president at the time, I can't remember her name, she said, you know, I, I just don't get it. It's so simple. And that was actually the name of the training is It's So Simple. And it is so simple that, you know, just remembering some of those very basics, some of those things that we learned when we were children and applying those in our adult and our professional life, how far that can propel you. And yes, you can become a place where people want to work. 
Our development turnover is unbelievably low. In fact, since I've been here, we've lost one developer and we had a party when they left and it was such a great opportunity uh, to work on such a great project that he, that he couldn't say no. And we had this great party for the individual and, and we just don't have it. And I have this vision one day that we'll have a line out our front door, one going to the left, which is clients trying to work for us, and one to the right, which are people trying to work for us. <laughs> so one wants to work with us and one wants to work for us. And if we do it right, and we remember just some of those very basic, this isn't, this isn't hard. You just have to, what, what, the hardest part about it is you, you cannot compromise. You know, there's only three guarantees in life, death taxes, and if you compromise, you'll fail. And if you compromise on the hiring and you don't hire for alignment, you will fail. And, and so that interview process and our interview process is a gauntlet. And we, we go through a very intense screening because we want to make sure that the people that we bring into the organization are aligned with our values. And that's going to be a good fit for them because it's not a good fit for everyone. It's a lot of personal responsibility. Uh, treating each other like ladies and gentlemen is sometimes hard. And to always go back to that place to remember that we always must act in the highest sense of right, that's not easy. But boy, when you get it right, it's powerful. And I believe it's fueled a lot of our growth. And it really starts with our founder, uh, Joaquin Lippincott. And he just operates his whole life that way in this, this sense of right. And um, it's good to build on. Employer branding has been kind of a buzzword in, in HR, and it sounds like you guys are doing an amazing job of this. So maybe tell the folks that are listening some of the ways that you are able to build your employment brand and how, how you're able to find or create demand for folks wanting to work for you in the first place. Yeah, I think it goes back to an agency of our size having a full-time resource that's committed to rec- recruiting, wakes up every morning and thinks about that, doesn't have four other jobs that they're doing. Um, it isn't an afterthought. I think we can do a lot better job of employee branding. I think we've just revisited our website. We've really highlighted what it's like to work here. We're in the process of, of creating a video right now, which is really highlights what, it, what it's like to be a toad, what it's like to work at Metal Toad. So, I, you know, right now I would love to say I did a great, oh, it's great, and we're done, and we're, we're accomplished. I think we're still learning that and working on that and, and identifying what we want it to be. So probably more to come on that. I, I think at this point, that having that number one resource to, and, and she reports to me, and we have a conversation every week about how many coffees did you have? How many lunch did you have? What's your pipeline of people look like? What does this, how many, are, when are they interested? Uh, they're six months out. They're four months out. They're, they're looking immediately. It's just this really rich dialogue around people. And people who want it, we do tours within our office and invite people, just come hang. If you want to come hang for the day, come hang. Uh, you know, we have a kegerator, and, 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 and not that that's everything, and that that's really trendy today, too. But it's uh, what's cool about our kegerator is our, our toads, our employees actually brew the beer, and that's where it was birthed from. It wasn't birthed, oh, let's be cool, have a kegerator. We had people who were, who were home brewers. And we thought, well, oh, gosh. And so they actually make the brew and bring it in. We call it Toad Brew. And it has its own website. Um, you know, so we, again, we have, uh, uh, we have uh, uh, a kegerator, but it's tied to technology, um, which is really cool. Uh, it's a real, and it's tied to the people. So the beer that we drink is, is actually made by the toads who work here. And, and so, again, it's just putting people first. I hate to oversimplify it. I wish I had a magic, you know, <laughs> uh, secret for you, but it really does come down to remembering the please and thank yous, treating people with respect, 
let him know that they're appreciated. I mean, it's key. It's funny because our at Zenium, our tagline has become "It's about people," and and we're actually in the middle of redeveloping our website, and and we're really putting that tagline first because our people in a service organization, our people are the are what makes our our brand what it is, and and our our clients They're everything. what it is. It's it's everything, and if you don't do a good job of bringing those folks into the culture and integrating them and, and really keep developing that, then you're, I think you're done for, I think you're not going to have success in the future. And luckily like similar to metal toe, we've had a lot of growth and success because we put people first. So I, I'm totally aligned with what you're saying, Tim. That's awesome. Talk, talk about policies and, and how uh, most organizations run their business on policies. I know you have some thoughts about, running a business on policies versus philosophies. So maybe talk about that real quick. Yeah, we're in the process. You know, we went through about a year ago. There was that deep, before I started, there was this deep-seated need to have a, uh, uh, you know, an employee handbook. And we're kind of pulling back a little bit from that. And we what we believe in is more that we have philosophies of how we'll run the business and how we'll treat each other, less policies. And we believe that if you hire right, you hire people who are aligned and they want to be part of the organization, they don't really need policies to, to manage them. Uh, they need philosophies around how you, how, how you work and the environment in which you work, which is really interesting in our business particularly because they're developers and their minds work very, you know, <laughs> they like rules and, and policies, but, it, but it, they like to know, right, which is really interesting how they're really gravitating to the philosophy uh, approach to business. And, you know, there's other companies doing it. Netflix is doing it. There's, there's other. It just really resonates with me because I believe if you hire adults and you treat them like adults and you create an environment, I call it a heroic environment, where people feel valued and appreciated, that you don't need all those policies. In fact, those policies can be detrimental to the, to the overall success of the company. Then you begin to run the company on policies. And I, I've seen so many companies make bad decisions because of that. Let me ask you what the policies like. So with an, an employee handbook, that's sort of in front of the employees. They, they have a set of rules that they can follow. But with philosophies, how do you keep those in front of employees? Is it like a set of principles that you just have posted somewhere? Or how does that well, work? We're doing, we're doing, it's got to be a kind of a mix. We've actually developed a, a – it's really kind of a cool idea. We're going to roll it out. We haven't rolled it out yet. But we're building a, a, a this handbook, which is – it's really a, we're using field notes and it's called toad lore. And it really talks and it speaks to the norms of a business of any culture has norms. And it really speaks to those and it speaks to, you know, uh, it, it has the story of how our company started and it talks about our mission statement and our values. And then it goes into some of the norms. For instance, yeah, I guess you could say, you know, oh, Tim, you have a kegerator, so what? People can drink at 10 in the morning, they can drink at, oh, there's a time when they when the kegerator opens. So you really do have a policy around it. Now, it's really more of a philosophy. And the philosophy is, yeah, you know, usually the kegerator is uh, around 4 o'clock. And so it's, it's, if somebody wants to earlier, you know, and they just won't. It's not that they can't, they won't, because they know it's not the right thing to do and it'd be disrespectful to other toads. So they just don't. And that, I, so I think that's a kind of a philosophy around having a kegerator or having alcohol in the workplace versus a, a hard policy. It makes a lot of sense. So you've almost developed norms um, that 
all the coworkers are really holding each other accountable by. <clears throat> so instead of having a set of policies, it's, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Well, you know, but listen, the onus has been on the, is on leadership, right? It, 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 and, and the reason most companies don't do this, Brandon, is it's hard. It's hard work. It requires a lot of trust. But it becomes so dynamic once you get there. But it requires. The easy way is to have a set of policies and rules, hold people to that, and then manage people. And, and that's a very comfortable place to be. I prefer... The, 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 I prefer, I believe in people and I'll trust people more than I'll trust procedures or, or policies. I've watched over my, and I won't tell you how many years, but many years of doing this, I've watched too many, too many policies or rules be broken. I'd rather hire people who do the right thing, who, who really believe that integrity is, is what you do when nobody's looking. And operating that way, it's such a rich environment. It's such a rewarding environment. And it's a place where people want to come work. And you, you know what's interesting about it? You, hire, you, you attract a really high caliber of talent because it resonates with them. They want to work in that environment. And it gets really fun. I love it. I love it. Well, I know, I know we're short on time, Tim, but I wanted to ask you real quick, in your role, how do you utilize other HR support? I know you, you probably have some HR resources within, within your company, but then you also use, utilize Zenium uh, as a consultant, Absolutely. as a third party. So how does that dynamic work with a, with a role like the vice president of people? Well, you know, I couldn't do my job without Lacey, who's our, our Zenium representative. So um, she's an integral part, and she's on our website. I mean, she comes to our stand-ups. Um, she walks in here, you would think she's a toad. It kind of proves the point that you're you're focused on people, so it, it totally makes sense that she'd be on the website too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like it, it, people just assume she's a toad, and she knows the personal lives of our employees. She knows what's going on. She's involved in every decision. Um, so, yeah, without her and without that partnership, we, we couldn't be doing. I would be so tied down in a bunch of other stuff that I couldn't do the things that I love to do and the things that are really moving the needle. And so I think that partnership and having that experience and having that trust, really that trusted advisor who helps, you know, because you can't tell from this, I'll, I'll push the line all, all the time. And so it's nice to have that, uh, that trusted advisor. Uh, when we rolled out Unlimited Vacation, Lacey and Zenny were the first people I went to and, uh, and said, do you have any other people who are doing it? How's it working? Could you show me, you know, how, how do they communicate it? And uh, Lacey and Zenium was a huge part of helping us roll that out so successfully. So without them, I couldn't do it. And I, I think that is key. Whether you, you do a third party, um, you know, trusted advisor, or you bring somebody in, I think you do need to have that person who has the experience, the background, knows, you know, the shortcomings um, and, and are, are knows where the, the, the valleys are and, and helps, uh, you know, guide you through that. I think it's key. Tim, I really appreciate you coming on today. I, and I wanted to give uh, listeners an opportunity to uh, either follow your work or just uh, get any links and resources that you encourage folks to, to, to read up on culture um, and developing their people, anything that you'd want to provide. Yeah, absolutely. It, 
Absolutely. Metalshead.com. Uh, I have a blog on there. Um, and it's uh, actually my blog compared to the other blogs. Um, and are, are, there's some great content on there. Um, I would also encourage people to follow me on uh, LinkedIn. I'm a contributor on LinkedIn. If they go to Tim Winter at LinkedIn, they can certainly follow my posts there. And I welcome any invitations and always like to connect with people and talk about this further. And, uh, you know, how, how can we change the world? And, and that's what I'm really excited about doing. So uh, I look forward to it. Our guest today has been Tim Winter of Metal Toad. Thank you so much for being part of the podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. Have a great day. This podcast is produced by Zenium Resources, Inc., all rights reserved. For information on guests or for interview requests, please visit www.zeniumhr.com or email info at zeniumhr.com. Everything on this show should be considered educational and informational only and not personal advice. Please consult with the appropriate tax, legal, or business professional for individualized advice.